Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a production of iHeartRadio. We'll get through it because things are exponentially worse than they were just a couple of weeks ago. Everything's so fucked, 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 fucked. I um was singing "Everything So Dum 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 Da Dum Dum" the other day, and my boyfriend was like, "Are you?" Humming the theme song of your own show. show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, baby, that's the kind of narcissism we get to do in 2020 Mm because we're podcasters. I hadn't even realized that I was doing it. I have the horrible videos of us singing the song before Cody. We should post those in the beautiful videos. Start the show. In case you guys didn't guess, (laughs) this is the worst year ever. And it's not a good one. No, it's not a good one. It's not a good one. Way through. We're doing it. We are we are doing it, and you know I found a new coping mechanism that's helping me deal with the worst year ever. Okay. Well, you know one of the things that makes a a disaster, a traumatic situation harder is feeling like you don't have any agency because you can't actually sure? affect the outcome. Mm. And one of the re- things that makes it hard to feel like you have agency in the worst year ever is that all of the problems are so big and start at such a high level. So I've been experimenting with just blaming all of the problems this year on Cody Johnston specifically. Okay. Because I can do things like break into Cody's house at night and damage his electronics. Um, and that gives me a feeling of power, which allows me to to deal healthily with things like the coronavirus, which okay, is Cody's this, fault. This is a yeah. safe space to yeah. share things like that. Cody, do you want to respond? How does this make you feel? 
Um, it's what I expect. Um, uh-huh. it's what you deserve. Robert's what I deserve. Um, yeah. I, uh, you know, take my lumps, you know? Yeah. I take responsibility. So, this is good. We've made some real progress today. So yeah, my advice uh, to all of you during this time of national trial is to pick a random person that you care about and blame all of the problems this year on them. Or Cody, you could just choose Cody. I mean, yeah, you, I yeah, mean, you can always yeah. choose me too if it helps. I, you know, any anything I can do to help uh, Robert, you know, feel uh, a little better. For the Powerful. record, I don't choose yeah. you, Powerful, Cody. Yeah, in control. I, yeah. I don't. Are you going to pick your old landlord? Yeah, my old landlord. You're going to blame him for the virus. <laughs> I'm going to blame him for the virus. Yeah. Um, let's also blame him for the wildfires, which yeah. is the topic for this week's episode. Yay! Wildfires, climate change, all that, all that good, all that, all good that good, shit. good stuff. Um, but I'm gonna kick things off. Yeah, kick it away. Kick by it out talking of here. about the fires. Could you try uh, karate uh, chopping things off, Katie? Yeah, perfect. Yeah. I'm actually just doing damage to my monitor. But yeah. it felt good. Um, exactly. You feel in control, damaging the yeah. electronics. So let's talk about wildfires. Uh, we talked a bit about it on Even More News last week, but there's more to say. There's more to say. And here we are. Hooray. Yeah. Um, nearly 90 fires continue to burn on the West Coast for Northern Californians uh, and people in my hometown of the Bay Area. Residents have now been dealing with this smoke and destruction for over a month. Um, there's just, there's so many fires. There's so many fires. I can't possibly get into all of them. Um, nearly three dozen fires have burned through more than 950,000 acres in Oregon. Hell yeah, uh, they did. Sorry. Yeah, they did. I shouldn't and continue react to. that way. I almost had to lot. leave my home. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, I want to hear about that too. But <laughs> yeah. since the start of 2020, wildfires in California have burned over 3.2 million acres of land. Uh, almost the size of Connecticut. Of the nine major wildfires burning in Washington State, the two largest um, have scorched more than 412,000 acres. Uh, From what I understand, some of the Washington fires are finally starting to be contained, but not before an entire town was destroyed. Several towns. um, (laughs) Five towns across Oregon have been substantially destroyed, as small towns in California. Um. It's it's gnarly. I, as we record this, I, I just looked on Twitter and I'm seeing that the historic Mount Wilson Observatory here in Los Angeles is in very grave danger. Currently, there are flames within 500 feet of it um, and the fire is spreading fast. Oh, God. Yeah. Great. It's on a personal note. This this one hit hard. It looks like Camp Sturtevant, um, uh, which is this historic place in the Angeles National Forest. Um it looks like it was probably destroyed. I stayed there yeah. just a few weeks before the pandemic hit. Um, God. Oh, yeah. In or- yeah. I mean, it, beautiful. Yep. it's wild. In Oregon, yeah. around 500,000 people or 10% of the state's population have either been evacuated or put under evacuation warning, uh, which is just a massive displacement at any That's time, but lot. especially, yeah. especially yeah. during a pandemic. At least 33 people have died, but that number is going to go up. So many more people are missing. Officially, 22 people have been reported missing, but that number is also definitely going up. I I read this terrible story today 
about a, a kid, this little boy, like 13-year-old boy uh, in California who separated from his family and his body was found in a burnt-out car with his dog on his lap. Just so many stories of people whose homes and businesses are completely destroyed, but there's no sign of them anywhere. It's not good. Uh, all of this has given the West Coast a pretty impressive new statistic of having the worst air quality in the world. A few days ago, I think Portland exclusively held that honor, but now I think you guys are at number two. That can change. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. Um, it's all very, very impressive. I don't know what the air quality is like where you are specifically, Robert. Horrific. Um, uh, horrific. horrific. So I, I spent... A long time, you know, a couple of months, uh, had a, I had an apartment in New Delhi in India, which generally, as a rule, is the most polluted city on the face of the earth. And it's worse now in Portland, Oregon. And again, yeah. in like the kind of the New Delhi like metro area, when last I checked, there were something like 22 million residents. Portland's not even a million, I don't think. Um, yeah. So like the it, Portland is normally pretty good air quality. Um, and it it is it's not just the worst air quality, but like during the worst of this, people in Portland and Salem have had air so bad that if you took all of the pollution in New Delhi and added it to all of the pollution in Beijing and fucking threw Singapore in there just for like just for a little bit of like why not? Like it still wouldn't be as bad as the air quality in yeah. fucking Oregon. Like it's uh, it's I I can't ex like. I there's people because, again, like, you know, there's this protest movement that's been going on for a while. One of the things that has helped Oregon a little bit is that we have such a high percentage of people with high quality gas masks now because of right. all of the tear gas. And I people keep talking about, like, I miss the tear gas because, like, that was not as bad as the fucking as the air is right now, I mean, um, which is just it's horrible out here. Yeah, my friend, I, everybody I know that lives in Portland or just in the areas, having a very hard time. I, my, I have a friend with two small children who moved there right before the pandemic, um, and he has to wear a mask just to, like, make coffee or cook in the kitchen, and they're all huddled into one room for the most of the day because that's where their only air purifier is. Um, or you take the air purifier with you as you go from place to place. And again, this is during a pandemic where we are fighting a virus that affects the yep. lungs. Yeah, uh, we are already seeing hospitalizations for asthma increased. Yep. Um, and this, and, and and for those of you that don't live on the West Coast, I'm sure that you are now seeing the effects of this as well because the the smoke is drifting everywhere. It's not just the West Coast; it's reaching to Europe. It's reaching to Europe. <laughs> I read that so casually. Canada. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're welcome, Europe. You're welcome, Europe. I'm giving um, a nice little bit of smoky yeah. flavor to your outdoor barbecues that you get to have because you guys more or less dealt with the virus and like your u.s export yeah it's it's so unbelievable i mean it's believable look california always has wildfires that's a part of it that is supposed to yeah Yeah, the environment has wildfires and 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 this is a tricky not a tricky conversation people make it tricky uh you know climate change deniers you know pointing to things because yes fires are important Fires are natural. There is definitely mismanagement of the forest and how we uh, deal do fire prevention that's happening. But climate change is absolutely exacerbating things. And Robert's going to talk about that in a little bit. But I want to talk about yeah. this a little bit. Hell because, yeah. Sorry. No, don't. Don't. You never have to apologize for interrupting. Especially for getting excited about. For getting all excited the, all about. The terrible stuff that we nasty news. hear about later. Um, but, the, you know. 
how we approach fires and fire season is really important and flawed. Um, historically, for example, indigenous people embraced controlled fires. You know, you, you saw it as a necessary aspect of survival and of honoring the earth. You know, you do a controlled burn to avoid building up kindling for unexpected fires. But, oh, I believe it's over about 100 years ago, at least in California, we banned many of these fires uh, as part of which is all adding to this problem. And, and and that's its own thing that can be dissected. Um, now we are all talking about reintroducing this, but, you know, it's just, it's so much to be dealing with now with everything else, you know? Yeah. Um, but gonna, yes. What do you think is going to be uh, next like it's a year of piling on and then piling on other things that pile on the other things. And we're just sort of, it's a big old pile, but you know, we got three months left. It's wild because I keep forgetting all of the terrible things. Like I saw, I went to someone's Twitter page the other day and I saw one of their tweets. It was from a few weeks ago, a month. I don't know. And talking about like, my God, what else, what else is going to happen? And then I was like, what was that? And that was Chadwick Boseman. But it was mm. like, <laughs> like you can't even mm. keep track of all the horrific things that have been happening. And I want to talk a little bit about climate migration. Every year as a resident in California, I ask myself, you know, is this place even going to be habitable in the near future? You know, I, I, I mean, it's not just about the fires although that is a constant fear for me my my parents recently moved to the mountains um you know it's also coastal erosion extreme temperatures and of course that's not just here in california across the nation we face different climate change threats um but it's something that we've alluded to we've talked about it's something that we know intellectually is going to be a fallout from climate change sooner or later um and it's it's real. It's here. This is from the New York Times, quote, across the United States, some 162 million people, nearly one in two, will most likely experience decline in the quality of their environment, namely more heat and less water. For 93 million of them, the changes could be particularly severe. And by 2070, analysis suggests if carbon emissions rise at extreme levels, at least four million Americans could find themselves living at the fringe in places decidedly outside the ideal niche for human life. And this is important to think about. I mean, mm -hmm. this potential future mass migration due to climate change and tragedy is going to exacerbate poverty. It'll exacerbate income inequality, which will, of course, exacerbate everything else that goes along with those things, you know, like fear and othering of people and hate. And I say this mm. to also set up this conversation, <laughs> which is what we're seeing in Oregon um, already. Uh and I'm sure Robert has stuff to contribute to this, but people acting in an alarming but standard behavior for 2020, uh, armed vigilant, armed people refusing to evacuate and establishing checkpoints to, put, to protect property against potential looters. Yeah, it fucking um, rules. It's wild. This is coming along with disinformation, like the narrative that Antifa is starting those fires in order to steal and loot. This is a very, very, very big problem. 
Um, I, I, I'm sure there, there have been some arrests made. Some people probably have stolen things. But the vast majority of people who have been stopped by these little citizens. I, I think we're at two arrests right now for that sort of thing. Two. Yeah. Two. Okay. Thank you. Um, for like looting and stuff. Uh, but the, last I checked. The vast majority are people that are rushing to retrieve their belongings. And it, and it's so dangerous in so many ways. I mean, of course, there's the actual physical threat of violence from an angry stranger with a gun, you know, under extreme circumstances. But there are also fires, fast-moving fires. You don't have time to fuck around, you know. Um, and, yeah, Robert, you 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 know people that have yeah, all of encountered the, I this? Think pretty much all of the journalists who were – because it was the reason that the story came out is that a group of journalists – um, all of whom I've either worked with, uh, I mean, all of whom I've, I've worked with pretty closely at varying points, um, were out uh, filming the evacuations and mm-hmm. uh, wound up getting approached by these people. And the specific group of journalists who were out there, none of them were white dudes, right? Which I think had sure. an impact on kind of why they, they drew the attention of these guys. And it, it's kind of a proto checkpoint, right? Like it wasn't sort of a checkpoint in a super organized way, but there were these guys with guns standing out and... Um, checking people um i don't they weren't like kind of comprehensively taking ids or whatever but like it, it it's the kind of thing that it you know it's the start of that um mm-hmm. which is a thing that you know i've seen i've seen in a lot of countries I've, I've experienced them in like guatemala um even in parts of india in uh in iraq and syria and ukraine um it's not something i mean i i would say it's not something i expected to see here but i did a whole podcast about how that could happen here <laughs> but it, it, it you know about 20 minutes away from my house is where all most of this occurred and in addition to these kind of checkpoints opening up and these you know which are which are some of them do seem to involve uh organized militias and uh there's reports come out from another local journalist that they attended and kind of were were not were were not reporting openly on this yet but they attended like a meeting of some of these militias a couple of weeks ago where they had talked about um setting up like organizing for something like this and you know not just to set up checkpoints potentially for disaster relief or whatever but like is the kind of problem with the police when these groups are kind of based around just armed force that's really all they know how to do Mm -hmm. you don't actually see a lot of useful um disaster response that comes out of this um, but it's it's what people have been doing. And there's a mix of it that I think is people who have just been propagandized to um, and are afraid and honestly afraid uh, yeah. of some sort of Antifa boogeyman coming for their stuff. But there's also a, ch- a chunk of folks who are like, these are the the fascist right getting ready for the thing that they think will come, for their ability to... I see. Yeah. And then, you know, the Proud Boys are out in a town called Sandy, the guy that I had a bit, one of the guys I had a big standoff with a couple of weeks ago, Alan Swinney. Who's this? This this any big dumb like proud boy adjacent fascist um, has been like leading armed patrols around the town of Sandy. They're all staying at this one woman's house, who's like taken them in, and they they seem to be trying to like turn this this fairly small mountain town into kind of a base of operations, which has uh, some friends of mine in the town say has disrupted a number of things. So it's kind of a frustrating situation all around. And a very a, a potentially very scary one because you've also seen law enforcement getting involved. Um, you know, there's a video that came out of a, uh, a Clackamas County Sheriff's, I think it was a Clackamas County Sheriff's deputy, talking to some guys doing a checkpoint like this. Um, I forget exactly which town. I'm not sure if it was Phoenix or not. But they, um, he was saying stuff like, uh, you know, he was basically giving them advice on like if they shot somebody, what they should do in order to protect themselves. 
um, that could be interpreted as him saying like throw a knife on the at the dead body or something like that. So it looks like they had like a weapon or something. <clears throat> like he was making very questionable statements and also essentially backing up the idea that there was gangs of Antifa out looting. Um, he's been placed on an administrative leave. <laughs> Altogether, law enforcement in Oregon has had a couple. It's been weird watching the responses because as these fires started, most of the actual county sheriff's departments and like like law enforcement in the affected areas was kind of desperately sending out. You know, there were a couple like um uh, in Malala, the um the police in Malala initially sent out a text message asking people to call them if they saw suspicious individuals or something. Um, which was taken as evidence by these folks that like there was some sort of coordinated right. attack happening. And so people flooded the emergency lines with so many false tips that were usually just like their neighbors doing something that it like made the emergency systems like basically unusable. And so like local Malala police and a bunch of local police started like desperately putting out the message. There's we, there's no evidence Antifa's doing anything. We've seen no, we haven't arrested anybody. All of these memes that are spreading are false. Like, please stop doing this. Stop calling us about this. Like we can't use any of these systems we need to because you're flooding us with so many false tips. And it was off, it would often be stuff like people would get caught you know, would be caught doing a quote unquote arson. And what it really was is somebody perhaps dumbly, like very stupidly attempting to create defensible space around their home Mm -hmm. by like starting a fire or something like that. Like a a lot of suspicious behavior had nothing to do with, with any like Antifa shit, but people, people in Oregon have been so amped up and have been, have been so misinformed about what's been happening in Portland that like they were just very immediately ready to believe this. And like, so you had this surreal situation where, Local reporters, local anti-fascist groups, the FBI, and a lot of local law enforcement were all like desperately putting out the same information. Like Andy No was trying was was at one point like trying to put out like, hey, there's no like this is not what Antifa does because everybody was like <laughs> it, the situation got so fucking out of hand so quickly. And I think even the people like Andy, who are very dangerous, bad faith fascist actors, were frightened by how quickly this this uh-huh. leapt out of yeah. their control because it had Interesting. yeah stoking fears you, will do that do you think that uh yeah. he's yeah. looked in and uh reconsidered no uh, what he does at all no i think he'll i think he'll jump on that bandwagon i think he just like they're they're all human beings and i think just as a human being if you're if you're modestly aware of what's actually going on you can't not see what happened in oregon over this and not be like freaked out cuz it's terrifying um the so you had this happen but you also still have like the portland police have been stoking fears of antifa doing this they just released a video or just released an announcement about an arrest of they caught a seems to have been somebody in a mental health crisis who was like standing in an inner like standing in like a a, uh whatchamacallit a um a median lighting grass fires repeatedly until he was arrested. And none of the fire spread. He didn't hurt anybody. And just like the way that his behavior is actually described, it seems like somebody who was in some sort of crisis, like, like it doesn't seem like he, he was not, he was not sneaking around starting fires. Like right. He was, he's not he was like behaving. a malicious arsonist being like, I'm going to start the fires. Yeah, to, clearly. Know. Something but... was awry with this person and they arrested him and he had a, a standard like janitorial, like like cleaning solution bottle with like a wick in the top of it filled with um uh accelerant that he was like pouring on the grass to light it 
And the police referred to this as a Molotov cocktail, which, number one, you cannot make a Molotov cocktail out of plastic. It has to be made out of glass. It needs to shatter. That's a part of how it functions. Um, Number two, um, they did that because they knew that people would assume that this meant that this guy was tied to Antifa. Yeah. Um, And it's it's, it's shit. That's grotesque. So you have like these rural cops who, like, and I don't attribute particular goodwill to them, but I think they're just freaked out about the disinformation and how flooded their systems were trying to be like, guys, this is not, please stop spreading this. And you have the Portland police stoking this shit because they want to get a lot of these kids killed. Um, So it's this whole, it's a tremendously dangerous situation. Um, And I should say right now, I've been watching what the protest community has done. When these fires hit, one of the first things that happened is they stopped doing the direct action marches um, and instead started doing or at least heavily reduced it. There have been a couple, but nothing like like they're not doing the marches that people were so freaked out about where they were starting fires, because as soon as this hit, people were like, well, we can't be doing like we can't be doing fires anymore. Like that has to stop Mm. for a while because it's dangerous. Yeah. And there was even a lot of people who were like, well, we should avoid doing what we've been doing because if the police come out and do what they tend to do, which is fire off munitions, they could start a fire. And sure. it would be, you know, even if it's them starting the fire, we don't want to risk that. And instead, they've set up like a really significant scale mutual aid, like dispensing clothing, dispensing respirators, giving out respirators to firefighters when they disgusting, were like out of respirators, disgusting. handing them out to How the houseless, trying to like uh, hook people up with with. You know, food and medical care, providing things like animal feed and whatnot to to folks who have like are out of their homes. There's been a ton of different mutual aid projects. You know, this this um, like one of the groups that has been providing food at the protests, the witches, which is like it's a collective of witches, yeah, um, that provides food. Uh, have been like traveling around to you know folks who are, have been evacuating and trying to make sure that like food has been distributed to people. There's been this immediate. You've seen on the left. This immediate switch of the of these organizations that were engaged in keeping this protest movement alive, switching over to providing necessary aid to people yeah. affected by the wildfires, and not just people who have had to evacuate, but like houseless people whose situation yeah. has been made even more precarious right. by this. Yeah. Um, and on the right, people have been picking up guns and yelling at anyone who's not white who drives through their town. Um. So what a that's, fun dynamic. That's both the situation. Sides, both sides. Both sides. Um, yeah. We gotta take a quick ad break. I love ads. Brought to you by Wildfire. Oh, uh, um, wildfires! Do you not have enough problems yet? Here's a fire. Use promo code. Uh, yeah. Burning hot for this product. Use All promo right. code. Oh no, my home and everything I've worked for. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. 
Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. And we are back, back from that ad break. Ad break. It was so good. Good. Um, Robert, do you want to talk to us about climate change? God, I love climate change. I'm a huge fan of climate change. Oh, my huh. gosh. Let me tell you. You know what I hate is this climate. Let's change it. Yeah. Let's get rid of yeah, could, what, the old ways of the climate. Yeah. I could, use some, I could use some change. Like, you remember when the climate wasn't uh, just a wall of smoke that encompassed your entire world? That sucked. Sort of. yeah, yeah, that sucked. Yeah, I'm glad we have I a different climate I hated being now. outside. Yeah, nobody likes the outside. Uh, I like having a go bag. Yeah, everybody mm. likes having a go bag. That's fun. You get to put stuff in it. It's exciting. You can accessorize as you think about your family members dying in a fire. You think about who like you love do. the most and what keepsakes you want to keep to remember them in yeah your it's bag. pretty cool it's good stuff you can only so, choose five pictures okay let's talk ahead. about why um i mean let's see how do i want to start this so there's a the question the question the real the real question when we talk about climate change um is not what impact did it have on these specific fires um because it had a big impact on these fires but it's a question of like number one do are people seeing that and yeah. are people are do people like is this getting through to people right um is this having any impact on how people perceive the immediacy of the issue of climate change and then number 2 the question that comes after that is can we actually do anything um so yeah. the answer to the first question uh is is actually there there's there's reason for optimism hey um, hey uh, Americans' attitudes on climate change have been altering rapidly, and I would say the thing that this looks most like, if I'm if I'm kind of trying to compare it to other things I've seen, is sort of the way in which, over the last four or five years, the way in which Americans' attitudes on climate change have altered has changed in a similar way to the way in which Americans' attitudes on like gay marriage changed from like 2010 to 2015. Um, like you saw a like a like a pretty rapid alteration of kind of where the average Americans sort of like thoughts on that were. And in 2009, uh, 44% of Americans said that global climate change was a major threat to the well-being of the United States. Um, and that's over 60% this year. Um, okay. 
Yeah. Now, opinions among um, uh, among Republicans have basically not changed. Yeah. Um, but nine in ten Democrats public uh, opinions among Republicans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I should state that, like, when I talk about Republican feelings not really changing. That said, Republicans, a significant number of them actually do consider climate change to be a major threat, about 31%. So the numbers haven't changed a lot over the course of this last, you know, nine or 10 years, but um, it, it's not an insignificant number of of Republicans who consider it a major threat. Um, and about 45% say it's a minor threat, um, which, you know, I, I that's not super cause for hope. But in general, like mm. American attitudes towards climate change is a serious thing to deal with, have have moved very rapidly in the right direction. Um, so that's not bad, right? Like that's not a, that's a, that's, a, it's something not bad. It's not, yeah. you, didn't, you didn't say a number that was less than the number started out as. Yeah. But is it good enough? No, I mean, and it's, you you do have, there's other things you have to keep in mind. Like how, while I think the overall American situation has improved, the situation among conservatives vis-a-vis climate change is actually a lot worse than it was in like the fucking 70s. So that's Um, bad. And hey, I mean, like, it's one of the things, like, Richard Nixon is the the president who, you know, the EPA was I mean, created yeah, under him. Yeah, exactly. And mm. Nixon, when he signed uh, the the EPA, you know, the act that, that made the EPA become a thing into law in 1970, um, he gave a speech where he said, the 1970s absolutely must be the years when America pays its debt to the past by reclaiming the purity of its air, its waters, and our living environment. It is literally now or never. We can no longer afford to consider air and water common property, free to be abused by anyone without regard to the consequences. Instead, we should begin to now treat them as scarce resources, which we are no more free to contaminate than we are free to throw garbage into our neighbor's yard. This requires comprehensive new regulations. So that was the Republican president in 1970. Progressive. So, we should say that some things have gotten worse. Um and yeah, it's it's so it's it's complicated. Um the actual like uh the, the way in which people's attitudes have changed here. Um yeah. I mean that was I, that was what caused the sort of denial movement, like the backlash yeah, the backlash against all Nixon, of that. Yeah. Um, doing that was like yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, I read an article on a site called Grist that was sort of like asking the questions, will all of these wildfires change people's minds on climate change? And it includes some some inspiring statistics and some horrifying ones. So one thing it notes is that only 52% of people across the country linked climate change to the fires on the West Coast, um, according to a recent poll. Um, and it, it goes on to note... It goes on to have some quotes from, like, they interviewed people in, like, Oregon about their feelings on this. Um, and some of those quotes are pretty, are a big old, big old fucking bummer. Uh, quote, in Salem, Oregon, where recent blazes caused sky-high air pollution, local fitness store owner Susan Gallagher said she didn't really think about climate change in relation to the wildfires, even as thick ash coated the air and roofs of cars. Instead, she was focused on her business and the health of her community. We just hope and pray for rain and an end to it, she said, and we pray for all the people who have been directly affected. Which is, sure, she's a nice lady. Why this is a problem. Like, this is why we have the problem that we have. I feel Um, like there's an element of people being, especially people that don't want to believe in climate change. Like, there's a lot going on. mm -hmm. And I'm just focusing on getting it back to normal so I can pretend like things are fine. And we all do that to some extent. Um, Sure. These sense of, I think, with a lot of people of, like... For years, the uh, the quote solution to climate change has been uh, action on an individual level. 
Like you have yeah, to start which doesn't this, work. Which doesn't work. Doesn't work. Yeah. And so like it's easier for people to be like, it's not even that because then I don't have to change my behavior, which we yeah. shouldn't because that's like, again, that doesn't really do anything. Um, yeah. And there's there's two problems here, right? One of them is that people need to be convinced that individual action is not the solution and we need to collectively force changes from the the, the uh, in a lot of cases, the the powers that that primarily operate our system. So. Yeah. I mean, like, look, like, let's still think about how many of our th- of cabinet secretaries we've recently had have an oil and gas industry background. Right. Like, these are the motherfuckers yeah, who we need we to be changed. Sue that industry. I, I, like, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree completely yeah. with what you guys are saying. I, I don't, I, you should still recycle your shit. But like, well, but there was this, this, uh, like a big article I read recently, which is pointing out that like actually 99 point percent or like the vast majority of recycling didn't get recycled it was what? it was kind of just a giant scam by the oil and gas industry what? and uh, uh, yeah va- basically all of the plastic you've ever recycled wound up in a landfill initially in china they're burying a lot of it in oregon now um there's only I a couple of kinds of so plastic that anybody time. does anything yeah i'll send you the article it's it's really heartbreaking I but it was basically so a big much con. time separating my god damn recyclables <laughs> yeah it it did not yeah. you can't recycle functionally most plastics in a way that makes economic sense and the primary like the 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 main people who were pushing plastic recycling were oil and gas industry concerns As and a, they were funding mm-hmm. it because it allowed them to, to keep continue. people yeah, i am exactly. yeah. furious it's not I great am furious yeah. <laughs> i mean not yeah. just at the time i've yeah. wasted but also just those fucking ghouls yeah, it's this, it's this is how to fix it. Look away from us. And it's convinced me that I did the right thing by just burning all of my plastic. And now I have healthy mm-hmm. lungs that have been trained by plastic fires to deal with our current situation. Exactly. You've built it up. And mm-hmm. you've got no flammable plastic around to catch fire like kindling. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And so my advice to listeners is to take long naps in front of plastic fires. It has no negative health consequences. So one of the good things that came out of this data that's people are that like this Yale data that showed 52% of Americans didn't really connect the wildfires to climate change. One of the things that was positive about that study is it showed that about 8% of Americans report recently changing their opinions on global warming. Most became more concerned about the issue. Um, and they tended to say that this was as a result of experiencing the danger, like climate change firsthand. So there's some, there's a growing body of evidence to suggest that, um, being exposed to stuff like this does have an impact on what you believe, um, and on taking this shit seriously, um, which is good and broadly hopeful, um, and means that, you know, as we continue to suffer more effects of climate change, People will continue to take it more seriously, um, which, you know, can be a hopeful statistic. There is, however, a very dire statistic. So the, the, the big question is, can we do anything, right? Can we unfuck the fuckness at this point? Um, and that is heavily debated. You, you can find a lot of very credible academics and researchers who will say that, you know, yes, if we are if we were to take like concerted deliberate action now we could avoid we could we could reduce our like we could essentially save a lot of the biosphere um but at the end of the day the the reality seems to be that nothing we can do will stop the next significant period of time things from getting worse for for years right 
no matter what we do, things will continue to get worse than they already are for years. This is unavoidable. More of what we're experiencing in Oregon right now, more massive fires, more of these what we're seeing on the East Coast, these enormous hurricane systems. There is nothing we can do to stop it at this point. There is nothing that we can do to stop a warming trend that will contribute to massive population loss among you know different species. There's nothing we can do to stop this. Because of the way that actually cutting greenhouse emissions and how it affects the climate works, right? You think about what it took to get us to this point. It was like like centuries of increasingly burning fossil fuels, you know, you know coal and all that shit in huge quantities, right? The the problems didn't start to become super apparent until that had built up to an extent. And so things won't get better quickly once we cut, once we stop contributing to this stuff. So if we were to, like right now, with everything that's been reduced emissions-wise from the coronavirus, we're looking at maybe like a, a in the low single digits decline, like a one or a two, something like that. We're looking at a very small decline um, in, in greenhouse emissions for this year. Um, if we were to have what is broadly considered to be like the most that we could reasonably do in a short time frame, like a 5% cut in, in greenhouse gas emissions, if we were to do that today, um, it could take decades before those actions would slow the rate of the Earth's warning, uh, warming. Like a generation could pass before, yeah, we see a major problem as a result of this. One of the folks that I read talking about this was Bjorn Samset, who's a researcher uh, with the Center for International Climate Research in Oslo. Uh, he says, quote, this is a big ship. We've given a lot of speed to a big, heavy system. We have never warmed the world like this before, and we have certainly never cooled it. Um, and so, you know, some of the things that we can look forward to is, number one, Cutting out greenhouse gas emissions means that we will uh, we will have to cut out aerosols. And some aerosols, while they're polluting and they're they're bad for the environment, they also reflect sunlight away from the earth and they cool things. So if we reduce emissions, that will mean reducing aerosols, which will temporarily amplify warm warming. Oh, so good. for a period of time, and this this has to bring me back to um. One of the things that has caused, one of the things that has made getting people to take warming seriously, but one of the things that's made that so hard is that during the aughts, right, during the period of time when we were all busy with Cracked, uh, the website we used to work for, you know, you're oh, talking yeah, about like that place. 2009, you know, up until, you know, a couple of years ago, um, there was an apparent pause on the actual, on, on global warming. And it wasn't an actual pause in the problem getting worse. It was a pause in the, the, symptoms of it being visible because uh -huh. there's you know a bunch of stuff that affects like how much we notice the world getting warmer and heating and stuff like that so for years the symptoms of global warming paused and at least the, the to the extent that like most people were able were like seeing them and that was seized upon by the people who don't want any change to happen mm -hmm. as evidence that it was not a problem and it made the problem much worse because that's part of why there was no push during when we had a chance to maybe do something more in the Obama administration. There was very minimal push actually going towards forcing some sort of change yeah. on this for most of Obama's time in office. And it had something to do with this this apparent pause. Now, um, there's, yeah, so this guy, Bjorn Samset, he and his colleagues did a study where they they looked at climate, they did climate, used, like took climate change models and statistical tests to try to like, 
determine when a decline in the pace of warming might be observable to people after a massive cut in emissions. Um, So they found that if emissions were cut 5% annually starting this year, which is, again, almost impossible in terms of like, I mean, we could easily do it, but in terms of like politically as something that actually might be virtually impossible. But if we were to do it, if we all got on the same page and we we were to deliver a 5% cut in emissions starting this year, we would not notice the impact of this until 2044. Cool. Yeah. Uh, If we immediately. Yeah. 20 years. So if if tomorrow we all gave up our cars um, and we were able to completely stop all carbon dioxide emissions tomorrow, there would not be observable proof of a change until probably around 2033. In this day and age of misinformation and instant gratification, (laughs) it sounds like that's maybe not going to be a thing that we try to do. Yeah. If people can't believe in climate change unless they are actively seeing it happen around them, then they certainly aren't going to believe in the solution. <laughs> if yeah. It takes almost 30 years, 20, yeah. 24 years to, um, to see any results. So, yeah, we're kind of left with this situation where this is a problem that if left untreated will kill everything that we all love. But dealing with it properly means trusting in science, it means patience, uh, and it means altering our lifestyles for years before we notice a benefit to that. All of these are things that Americans, like, we couldn't get the United States of America on board to sacrifice, you know, fairly minimal comforts by comparison for like six weeks. Like, we couldn't do that. It's nearly brought us to the brink of civil war. Um, yeah, you're describing things that Americans are incapable of doing. Yeah, no, we will, we will, we will kill all life on this earth um, because the alternative is thinking about somebody else for for you know a, a, a longer than the the length of a news cycle. So I don't know. I'm not optimistic. Now that said, like I don't like to be. Like, I've been rereading Desert right now, which you can, if you go to, like, re, I think it's readdesert.org, you can find it at, but if you just Google Read Desert, it's um, it's a, a free book you can find online that was written by uh, an anarchist or some anarchist. I don't really know who wrote it, but it's about our present situation um, and how kind of fucked it is, and it's about sort of the deserts that empires always leave in their wake and, like, the ways in which um, it's kind of, it's, it's a very doom-laden but pragmatic look uh, from an anarchist perspective at where we are right now in the world. And it's fairly hopeless in terms of actually fixing any of these problems. It is not proceeding from a standpoint of any of this will get fixed. It was proceeding from a standpoint of it will get worse and billions of people are going to die. Um, And I don't want to be pushing just that because I think that one of the things that kind of the doomed calls fail to take into account is the thing that everybody fails to take into account when history is happening, which is that people make choices regularly, which um, are unprecedented and change the course of basically everything. So one of the things that I think people should do if you're starting to get completely hopeless about this is think about the way everything looked in 2014, right? The way we it more or less seemed politics were proceeding to most people, the more way it more or less like I think most people had a vague idea that like, okay, we're we're gonna we're getting through some shit. Things are might be getting better. Like 
That's certainly yeah. what most people thought, whether or not it was accurate. That's part of why that people have been, like a lot of liberals have been so dismayed by how quickly things, things seem to have turned around under Donald Trump. And, you know, things do turn quickly. And yeah. people can be convinced to take up unprecedented actions. You know, I think a lot about um, the world my grandfather grew into, where when he was a, a 17-year-old kid, his dad had to sit him down at the kitchen table and say, like, Garland, we can't feed you anymore. Like, you need to go make your own way in the world because, like, we we can't take care of you anymore. Like, this is just, like, it's the Great Depression. There's a bunch of kids here. Like, you, like we don't have any money. Like, you need to go do shit. And so he, like, hiked to Oklahoma with cornbread in his pockets and joined the Works Progress Administration, which was this massive, unprecedented operation to employ Americans and to build a huge amount of national infrastructure. A lot of the infrastructure we still enjoy today was made by WPA guys. And um, it's not impossible that calamity will breed something as unprecedented. You think about the scale of the war effort, you know, of of what, what was done in order to get this country able to fight the Nazis and the, the Japanese empire. Um, and that had a lot of negative consequences because it also gave birth to this military industrial complex that's part of what's killing the world. But you look at what a change it was in the fundamental way our civilization, our society was organized almost overnight. We are capable of big changes. I mean, I, I this isn't the best example because not everybody's following it, but I, I'm actually struck by just how many people in America are wearing masks and in what it's such a short period of time. I know that we focus on all the people that aren't, but for example, that is, was unfathomable six months ago. Unfathomable that I would be walking around in Los Angeles and all these influencers, just people would be covering their faces with masks, you know, but here we are. I know it's possible. It's hard to feel like it will happen, but I look at what's happening all around us. And I think the the only thing I can latch onto is that maybe this shakes enough people awake. Well, that's Sorry, the Cody. thing. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think about We do have to take an um, ad break in a second, but yeah. Uh, it's kind of related to what we'll be talking about in a little bit, but just um, human beings are the most innovative and uh, work together the most when their backs are like completely against the wall. And that's not happening yet. <laughs> and it will be eventually and that's maybe when, maybe um but that's when the thing that's when it comes together and i think uh, a lot of the conservative movement has used that as an excuse to not do anything about it whereas on the other side of uh the spectrum i think there's a sense of like we should do something now uh it's uh, in the middle of you're in the middle of independence day and jeff goldblum is like hey this is happening this is gonna th- they're coming here we should do something about it you have uh People who are saying, let's do something about it now, because that's how you prevent things. Um, And people saying, no, we're not going to do anything about it. And then the disaster actually hits. And then that's when people actually have to do something about it. Because In the movie version, anyway. In the movie version. But, like, that's also, like, historic, like, human beings are good at surviving. Um, Well, the question is, the question isn't surviving. Because I've never... I'm not really a particular believer in the idea that human beings are at much risk of exterminating themselves other than, you know, unless one of the individual human beings who has the ability to end all life decides to do that. But outside of that, like, I'm not worried about climate change killing all of us. I am worried about it leading to billions of deaths and uh, suffering on a scale that the Nazis would balk at. Um, 
and that's kind of the problem is that uh we could hit that point and maybe we'll figure out and i am sure we would figure out a way to save a chunk of the human race and even a chunk of the world's biodiversity from that disaster but getting into that disaster is the thing i would like to avoid um yeah and the question is can we still and the answer is uh, um depending well, so it's, on it's, yeah. if we could but like that requires it, it requires everybody being on the same page yeah if, if we all got on the same page right now and we were willing to do things like evacuate large chunks of the globe and move them into places that were more temperate while mm-hmm. we engage in like a massive like program geared at healing aspects of like the damage that we've done Yes, we could avoid the worst consequences of this. We have the resources and the wealth and the technology, right. you do both but it's not impossible. Time, yeah. It would okay. require billions of human beings deciding that they care about people they've never met. Yeah. We have to take um, a really quick ad break because we're well past that point. But we're going to come back and talk about this some more. Yeah. BRB. Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through together or not. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get Mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make Mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great tasting all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot we're back like i said from outer space we did it we we be right back you just Um, walked in here to find that podcast upon our face okay we might all need to head to outer space yeah at some point that would be we're not allowed in outer space i think Um, no i think we see that story uh, did you guys see that story about venus yeah, Venus has yep. life. Let's fuck it up. 
Uh, oh, Cody. Cody, you want to go to Venus and just start spraying CFCs all out in the ox? I've got a oh, whole bunch yeah. of like spray paint cans from the 70s that I've just been waiting to shoot out mm-hmm. into the atmosphere. Let's go show to the that, fucking show Venus. That life, what's what? Yeah, our aerosols to outer <laughs> yeah. space. Um, oh, Venus, you've got life, huh? Not for fucking long, buddy. Yeah, yeah we'll nice see try, about that. Venus. We're Americans, uh, motherfucker. <laughs> shout out to Carl Sagan who. Uh, Suggested that there was life in the clouds of Venus uh, decades ago. Cody, do you want to talk to us about some politics of climate change? Not at all, actually. We're dancing right, around we're that then. territory. Um, all right, we'll end the episode early. Uh, Sorry, guys. Cody yeah. didn't want to do it. Yeah, I Cody decided to. he didn't um, love yeah, you. Yeah, well, so it dovetails into every single thing that uh, both of you have been talking about because- um, That's why we put you last. Yay. It's Because it's miserable is what it is. Um, and it, it highlights the impossibility of the task ahead of us um, more than anything. But let's try um, to find some hope. Uh, you can. Um, <laughs> all right. That's my task today. You got all right, challenge. Uh, accepted. Forth. There we go. Great. Um, yeah. Yeah, Gavin Newsom met with the president recently, and that was fun to watch. That's ho- hopeful. Oh, good. Yeah. Two, uh, two people, I think, are both good. Yeah. Shout out to Gavin Newsom for uh, respectfully saying to the president, we come from a perspective humbly where we submit the sciences in and observed evidence is self-evident that climate change is real, and that is exacerbating this. And this is kind of, uh, this is the one side, I think, of... Uh, the politics where you, we now just have politicians uh, respectfully doing the, the sir, sir, sir thing, but just sort of like constantly yeah. tweeting that climate change is real. If you look at Gavin Newsom's feed, um, it's just climate change, period, is, period, real, over and over and over again. And uh, something that I think that is important to understand is that... Not, and not, this isn't the uh, polls that Robert was talking about. Of like, yeah, 30, uh, 31% of Republicans, I think you said, um, believe it's like a serious problem. Uh, but Republican lawmakers, the politicians that these politicians are talking to, they know that it's real. They of know. Of course they do. They've yeah, been lying course. about it. They lie about They're it. They're not idiots. They wouldn't have power if they were idiots. Exactly. Like, they're um, good. They're smart. They understand yeah, how to very manipulate clever. people. Yeah. They've, they've succeeded uh, for decades and decades in pretending that they think that it's not real. Um, and so I just think that there's some, there's a, that kind of approach of, like, just saying it's real. Uh, it's it's seeding ground to them. It's playing on their field that they've laid out. It, but it's like, it's AstroTurf. It's not a, it's not a real field. It's fake. It's a fake game. Um, and, uh, like soccer. Yeah. It's a fake soccer type of game. Um, uh, European football. Um, and it, 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 it's just, don't, don't say that because they know it. It's important to point out to these people to their faces that they know that it's real and they believe. Well, I would in say it. that the tweets are also about people in general accepting it, but I also don't know how productive. Sure, it is. but also, yeah, I don't um, know if like the, if Governor Newsom is convincing anybody uh, that climate change is real by tweeting "climate change is real," um, and because then on the other side you have, for example, a Ted Cruz type. Um, who, uh, in response to L.A. and California uh, requesting people, like, turn off major appliances in your thermostat, um, put your thermostat down, uh, or, like, off, uh, use a fan instead, things like that, after 3 p.m. To, uh, to help. And his response is that this is socialism and it sucks and this is a Biden-Harris train wreck that's going to 
they're going to take away your power in California. But this is literally something that Texas has done. They did it last year. Yeah. Um, it's not a California thing. It's not a socialism thing. It's not a lefty thing. It's a thing for the environment. Um, and just bla- yeah. like this is like constant lying and blaming. Like this, the, the Dems are it's their policy failure. Ted, in your own state, you do it like to the day of him tweeting about this. Uh, they Texas asked people to turn off their appliances after 3 p.m. Um, so it's yeah. just uh, it's just rat like and gross. And yeah, uh, it's the it's the same thing as like Ben Shapiro uh, in an interview, like when he's actually sitting down and having an like having a conversation with a trans person, like using their proper pronouns and then making a big stink about it because it's not about no Ben Shapiro as a human being when he's having a conversation with somebody doesn't just randomly start a fight with them over their pronouns because that's being a giant dick. And yeah. it, you you can't just be a person who has a productive life and treat people that way. He makes it into an issue because it's profitable to make it into an issue. Fucking Ted Cruz has no issue with this policy because it happens in his own state and he doesn't complain about it. He makes it into an issue because the only way, like, because you can make infinite money by well, doing nothing but feeding the culture war. Yes, exactly. Until the culture and war turns into election. a shooting war. Right, and talking about, like, the all the desert stuff and, like, what we're headed towards, like, the water wars, you know, people, like, yeah. being displaced, Kate, you're talking about, like, that is... No, at uh, some point... That, that, down, like, yeah. look at that and think how fucking little the culture war shit actually matters. <laughs> yeah. It yeah, does not like, matter. The reality of the situation is that if things keep going in the way that they're going, Ted Cruz and Ben Shapiro will both have relatives and descendants who die choking... Um, desperate for water in a kind of agony and desperation that we can't even conceive of. And we get um, no pleasure from that. That is just a fact. I mean, it's just yeah, what's going to happen. It's just the reality and of like, the situation. And that's, People um, and that's, you love will die that way too. You might die that way. That's just going to happen. Looking if forward we don't, to it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's all so incredibly frustrating. And yep. But I, I mentioned election year because that's... Do I have faith that a Biden-Harris administration is the answer to this problem? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I, I think that there's all the stuff that we've outlined here are all part of the problems. You know, there's so much. There are big corporations with special interests influencing how our, our lawmakers and all of this stuff, the stuff that's standing in the way between real tangible change. But the alternative is accepting defeat. Yeah. You know? Well, it's it, not it, even just accepting defeat. It's accepting, like, a, a reaction to climate change that's uh, the word, like... I, I think accepting defeat isn't the right phrasing, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but j- so when you were talking, like, when you were talking about um, uh, all the displacement and things that are going to happen uh, to people, uh, a lot of people are going to suffer greatly, uh, and that doesn't need to happen. So uh, along these this, this sort of political conversation, you know, in the Gavin Newsom conversation, we don't need to talk about fucking Donald Trump anymore because we know, again, uh, he thinks he thinks climate change is real, but he pretends that it isn't because of all. Yeah, because it's profitable out. and he's um, not going to live that long. And exactly, I will say, did. I don't think Donald Trump gives a shit that his children might wind I, up. No, choking no. To he, death, has no he has no uh, concern about that. In a water. Yeah. Like, um, of course not. 
Which, if you were Eric Trump's father, would you care about that? No. I, I submit to you that you would not. <laughs> not a lot of concern. Uh, I'd have less concern for uh, Don Jr. than Eric. Yeah. Um, but there's there's a hierarchy of, of not caring. Of Trump boys that you don't care boys, about exactly. the suffering of? Yes. Barron's at the top, because um, I don't know anything about him. And then I would yeah, say Yeah, he seems he, like he Don hasn't Jr. done anything bad yet. Yeah. Too young um, for that. Probably will. But, yeah. So it's but just, not it's yet. A, a perpetual thing that is going to keep happening um, of this denial, like even like talking about Ben Shapiro, his whole stance has been it's not real, uh, and then it might be real, but we can't do anything about it. And then okay, maybe we can do anything about it, but nobody is giving anybody ideas. There are no ideas out there. It's just a constant stream of different kinds of lies to deny it. Um, in uh, the early two thousands, uh, Frank Luntz, he's like a Republican, like uh, operative yeah, flun- in this poll. Fluntz, we call him. Flun- yeah. We call yeah, fl- classic <laughs> Fluntz move as a. Uh, he did a bunch of polls and, and focus testing and, and found out that the term climate change uh, was less scary of a term than global warming was. Right. People were saying global warming. Uh, so the Republican Party changed to refer to yeah. it as climate change to make it seem less scary. They also, at the same time, uh, started uh, the talking point being that, like, scientists, they want to scare you. And, but global warming wasn't working, so they changed it to climate change, and that's their new move. It's the complete opposite of what actually happened. It's all just lies to perpetuate this. Yeah. Um, but to sort of bring it back, like, to Katie, what you're talking about, uh, they will eventually have to, because they, they do believe that it, it's real. They're just pretending it's not. At a certain point, yeah. they will have to. And I can't imagine a world where the modern-day Republican Party believes in climate change and proposes what to do about it. Um, well, no. Because that's when you get, like, that. like, that is... That is the path to ecofascism, where they look at the problems that, that have been yeah. laid out by both you and Robert, and they say, okay, we can actually sacrifice these. We got to kill us some brown people. We got to kill gonna so many brown people. We're going well, to wall mean- these people in. We're going to do all these things to protect us. Donald Trump requested a permit for his uh, uh, golf course in Scotland for a yeah. seawall, and his reasoning was climate change. He wrote, it, it says in the in the permit request, it's awesome. climate change. It's amazing. They know they're going to build walls around themselves and yeah, then I fuck mean, everybody yeah. else. I've pointed to this stupid example. This is why you need... From succession. Yeah. Uh, if, I think it's the pilot episode. It's one of these rich fucks explaining to kids, like, see, baby, when the, you know, when, when the, when water's out, this is going to be a valuable commodity that we own all the, pro- the property to, we can sell it for this amount of money. Yeah. They know it's yeah, in they their know. financial they're making, best they're making interest bunkers, to they capitalize know, on all it. The things. Um, yeah. And this is why, you know, speaking to like p- climate change being, being less frightening than global warming, I actually think neither of the names uh, that 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 it's been called during my lifetime is good, and we should refer to it as your children will choke to death on dust that was once a river, Catchy. and that's what we should refer to it as. And like Republican politicians should say, look, I don't think that your children choking to death on dust that was once a river is a problem that we need to change our whole lives from, uh, yeah. because that would that would be harder to sell. All these scientists were trying to trick you into caring about how your children are going to choke themselves to death on ash. I forget the phrase. It, Just maybe that was t- once maybe, a river, maybe, but sure, yeah, we can maybe alter we can it. tighten it. We can tighten it a little bit. No, but, perfect uh, yeah. as is. I'm no open notes. for notes. Fit yeah. it on a hat, it's, I think. No notes. Yeah. the requirement. Um, yeah. It's hard. It's one of those things. America, culturally, I mean, some of this is human nature, but America has its blinders on. Always. Always. Other countries know about our politics. No, learn English or up to date on it, but we know nothing. We have no curiosity about other places, no, and I think no, for no. a lot of people, you're like, yeah, 
this climate displacements and climate change, all this stuff, it's really going to there is a subset of people that accept that this is going to affect other places, but not us. Yeah. No, it's here. It's yeah. It's, and and I, 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 my job was to be hopeful. So when I say this, I say I do, you know, I, I find hope in the fact that public opinion is changing. Um, I hope that this current situation, this fucking mother fucking piece of shit year mm. moves people to understand that the worst case can happen. It will continue to happen. Yeah. We talk about yeah. this being the worst year ever. It won't be the worst year ever. No, this, this is year just will look like a dream in five years. It doesn't if, just yeah. end. Yeah. January 1st. Um, yeah, we're, li- we're living it. We're seeing it. It's in the sky. We can see it. Um, this, it there have been year, like years every year. There was like, well, the, the predictions of the scientists didn't come true exactly. Yeah, and that it's was that the fucking the hiatus yeah. or the pause period. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, but also, like, it's not even like that's not how it's going to happen. It's going to be. Yeah. It's going to be slow, and then it's going to be there. <laughs> like, yeah. it's not going to be like suddenly there's a tidal wave and then like, you're like the oh, the climate change is coming. Like, yeah, it will be. You know, I I think one of the things that. I got to experience recently, and I knew this was coming, but it still took me to by surprise when the when the evacuation order started to come in because yeah. the county, like the eva- the county that one of the count like the evacuation orders were right up to about a mile and a half, two miles from my house. Wow, people were evacuating their homes. Like the fires were right on the other side of the county line, um, or the evacuation zone, which is bigger than the fires, was right on the other side of the county line. We were everyone that I know and care about basically was. I have I have a bag that I still haven't unpacked that is just the things I couldn't bear to see destroyed that I was going to throw in my car with spare yeah. water, spare gas, spare food, and some rifles and start driving with the people that I care about in the hopes of avoiding militia checkpoints and getting to somewhere safe. But Jesus when Christ. we were talking about where we would fucking go, we had no idea because if yeah. Multnomah County had evacuated, number one, the the emergency response systems that the state of Oregon has set up and that the federal government have set up that are capable of responding to disaster in the state of Oregon could not possibly handle an evacuation of that order. It would be a catastrophe, and it would be a catastrophe that there would be no ability, the government has no ability to handle. Um, we were talking about, like, what do we do? There's nowhere to go. If or if Portland, Oregon is burning down, if the fires get mm-hmm. into the city, there's nowhere to flee to. The nearest oceanside town that I was thinking about fleeing to started evacuating because there were fires on the coast. Like there's <sighs> nowhere to go. And that's the feeling that everyone is going to get to know. It'll happen next, I think, Phoenix, probably pretty soon. I don't think it'll happen this summer because it didn't already happen. Maybe it will. We still have some hot days left. I mean, we haven't even a, hit peak fire season in California. Yeah. Something that will happen to the city of Phoenix, those of you living in around it, is that there's going to be a heat wave where the outdoor temperatures exceed what human beings can survive. We are not far from that now. It will hit and people, it will last longer than people expect. It will go on for days and days and days and people will start dying in such numbers that it renders civilization in that part of Arizona impossible. 
um, and it will happen very quickly, and you will feel trapped, and you will not be able to get out of that area in your vehicle because your vehicles will not be able to operate under the kind of temperatures that you will find yourselves in. That's going to happen to people in Phoenix. Other terrible things, like we're going to continue to have these people talking about like this, 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 these double storm, like hurricane patterns hitting the southeast being a once in a lifetime thing. It will keep happening. Of course. It will get worse. Every future hurricane season is likelier to be worse than this one than yeah, it is to be better. And if there's, there's a year no where it isn't, it doesn't this. mean that it's yeah. stopped. It's coming. I yeah. mean, we haven't even touched on all the wild weather patterns happening throughout the nations. I mean, we're, we're talking about, was it Idaho? Yeah. Record yeah. heat waves. And then within days, covered in snow. What? We, in well, September. it's like the president says. Yeah. It's going to get cooler. It'll cool down. Don't worry about it. You can't um, stop this. You can't run from this. You can't run from this. All you can do is fight to maintain a survivable world for yourself and the people you care about. And that may mean catching some of the people who are trying to run away to areas where they think they can survive it and dragging them back down to hell with the rest of us and forcing them to choke on the dust that was once our rivers. It's a different um, kind of armed militia movement. Yeah. So Warming up to that phrase is catchy. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. That's where I am. But I... I am still focusing on the fact that, okay, in my lifetime, I might not solve this, but I can do everything in my power to work towards it. I can, you know, we can, more and more people coming around, hopefully a lot of them now, we can elect the best possible choice, rejoin the Paris Climate Accords. Fuck oh my that. God. That's the kind of shit that's like, look, we're doing something and you're doing nothing. Nothing. So fucking grim. But yeah. How bleak is that? I refuse to just accept this. I refuse to accept this as... <laughs> yeah, my advice, I still think if you're, you know, voting's not potentially useless, but the best thing you can do right now is... Go go find the the fucking food with not bo- food not bombs people. Go find mm-hmm. the fucking the fucking yes. mutual aid collectives, the anarchists, the pr- the people who have been like trying to fuck shit up mm. to deal with this problem for a while, and the yeah. people yeah. who have also been trying to take care of their communities right. while the government the people, increasingly yeah. retreats. And the people go who run join community them. fridges. People yeah. who uh, bring frozen water bottles out. To Shout out to Water Drop LA for Water Drop yeah. LA. Please yeah. support that. Neighbors. I've been doing that every heat wave, supporting Water Drop LA and dropping stuff yeah. off Fantastic to encampments. Um, yeah. But there, it, it, but you're right. Yeah. That's a really, uh, a really getting to like people who build up communities and people who are just like yeah. getting guns and building a wall around me, and that's the solution for me. Yeah, Work don't with don't... nonprofits that are working towards actual solutions you know there are places you can put your energy that will be effective the the solutions to this problem the only long-term fixes are are a 50 50 mix of developing horizontal structures of care to that that allow us Mm -hmm. to take care of each other in our communities and fucking shit up because a lot of shit needs to be fucked up and if you don't have this a and if you don't have a good mix of shit fucking up and of Radical care, radical community care, radical aid um, and solidarity. If you don't have a good mix of both of those things, then you're not going to make it through this. Then you're going to choke to death on the dust that was runs a river. <laughs> really coming around. Yeah, That seems like a really CP. nice, positive place yep. to leave this. 
I agree, Katie. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to leave you guys with uh, some, some some plugs of our wonderful host. You can uh, follow Katie at Katie Stoll on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the wonderful Cody at Dr. Mr. Cody on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the wonderful Robert at I Write Okay only on Twitter. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Worst Year Pod. Well done, self. Thanks. All right. Yay. Cool. Y- Y-C-W-C-T-D-O-T-D-T-W-O-A-R. It rolls right off the top. Yeah, it really no. does. That... No, it doesn't. It's more like a bunch of pebbles in your mouth. <laughs> Do they still make on. Livestrong bracelets? Let's get one of those but with that Just on. Livestrong. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's bring that shit back. Uh, All right. Let's end this on our upbeat disaster theme song. <laughs> Worst Year Ever is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.